0: Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka.
1: This is Pure Opelka.
0: With Mike Opelka.
1: Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Hello, friends. It is a steamy, hot, sticky Thursday here in the Northeast. And uh, I just hope the... I hope the power stays on. We're, we're getting warnings from the local power company here. Cut back your usage or we'll have rolling brown. No, we're not. We better not. But I think we're good. I'm in a dark studio and the only thing I've got going is the air conditioner, my computer, and uh, the TV monitoring, hopefully, what will be the press conference we pick up between the president of the United States and the president of France. As Donald Trump and Emmanuel Macron are getting set to um, face the press, they're also getting set to go to dinner. Uh, President Trump back in Europe for a second time in, in two weeks. He is, um, he is celebrating Bastille Day with the French. I think, I think it's good for him to do stuff like this. A lot of people are saying, why is it? Well, France is an old ally. So let him be a little presidential. I think it's a good thing, I think it's a very good thing, and then we'll we'll probably because of this, we'll probably actually get some comments from the President on the uh the Russian situation with his son and the meeting his son had with the Russian woman, so uh he's been avoiding that here. We didn't get any any real statements from President Trump since. The news broke that there was this meeting, and since we got the three different stories, and now that we haven't, so this this is really the first time we've had a chance to maybe let the media ask some questions. Do I expect anything big? No. Do I expect any major breakthroughs today? No, but it's always interesting to see a presidential press conference overseas when we haven't been able to have one here. So I'm interested. Uh, and also, uh, I have a little bit of news. I may jump into this early because we are waiting on the presidential Trump, President Trump and President Macron news conference to happen. I may jump into an interview I got up and recorded early today with um with Chef Carl Ruiz, some people call him the mad Cuban or just Cuban. He's a guy you've seen on the Food Network. He is a, a really great chef, but he's also somebody who's very funny, and, and I, I love talking to him. But the, the story here with, uh, with Chef Ruiz and, and what's happening with the Trumps is, is more about where they're going to dinner tonight. And I reached out to the chef because because I said, wait a minute, I'm reading the menu. And the menu said they're going to be having um, blue lobster and caviar. And I never heard of blue lobster. So I looked it up and there's a certain lobster, kind of a a crayfish, a small small crustacean that is blue. And you can see it's almost uh, electric blue. But that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about the fact that in, in uh, certain areas of France, it's it's more regular to have a blue lobster get caught than it is here. It's very rare here. So I decided to reach out to Carl and ask him, what what's the deal on the blue lobster? And what can you tell us about, about the meal that the Trumps are having? Because they're going to uh, a very fancy schmancy place, if you will. They're going to... A uh, restaurant in in the Eiffel Tower, known as um, what's the name of this? Oh, Jules Verne, and it's got a Michelin star. It has earned a Michelin star. So uh, I, I I was ringing Carl this morning to talk to him about this, uh, and uh, we spoke for a few minutes ab- about the the blue lobster, but he also had some really interesting things to say about uh, the restaurant. Some fascinating things, in fact, to say about this restaurant. And uh, Carl, I, as I said to him earlier this morning, Gamora, good morning, Carl Ruiz.
3: Good morning. I just uh, got here to my seafood purveyor, actually. So I was just talking to him about blue lobsters.
2: They don't see them that often here in America, do they?
3: Um, the last one was caught off the coast of Massachusetts, I think. Huh. Um, and then a pair was caught last year. Uh, in Nova Scotia, but usually you find them in Brittany, France, of all places.
2: That's wild. Is it just because of the water?
3: It's a genetic mutation in the lobster. So it probably has something to do with the strain of, uh, of lobster that's in, uh, in France. But uh, sadly to report, there's pretty much no flavor difference
2: and because if there were a rumor of a flavor difference people would be diving for them all the time and trying yeah uh, well
3: well they would they would be fake blue lobsters from China already we would all be eating blue lobsters <laughs> they would be at
2: Costco is what we Yeah you're we would have
3: blue lobster cocktail at Costco oh
2: wow yeah that, i always get dubious when i see uh, what do they call that what is that fake seafood that's out there, that pressed thing? I don't know what that is, oh, but it scares it's, me. It's
3: actually not fake seafood. What it is is what you're talking about, like imitation crab. Yes, and yes, yes. other thing called lobster sensation. What it is is uh, on the fishing boats, all these kind of throwaway fish and stuff and scallop parts when they harvest, uh, they compress them all together, and then they dye a little red streak in it. And, they, and so it is seafood. It's just like uh, a lot of seafood. Put together in one room that they didn't want to talk to each other.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> we're talking to Chef Carl Ruiz, who has a unique perspective on everything, and especially <laughs> food. So is this kind of like is that imitation crab meat? What did you call it? Lobster? What? Lo- they call it lobster sensation. Lobster sensation is that like the McNuggets of of uh, seafood?
3: A hundred percent an ocean McNugget. <laughs>
2: I've never even thought about that. And I wonder, you know what, Carl? We need to get Mickey D's on the phone, and um, you should take the credit for this, but we should pitch them an Ocean McNugget, and they could buy that stuff, put it in a ball and bread it and fry it. And you know we would buy it. I I would eat
3: anything fried, as you can
2: tell. <laughs> so...
3: <laughs>
2: well. <coughs> The, this yep. is great. So, what what are you picking up from the seafood purveyor? What's What's good now at this time of year? What's the best seafood that people well, should the, be looking for?
3: The thing I go I go early because uh, seafood. A lot of people make the mistake on uh, on buying, you know, having their head set on what they're going to buy before they get there. But the thing is, is seafood's on a clock. It's like uh, Jack Bauer in twenty four, right? So. <laughs> It, you, you have to get it at its peak of its freshness. So that's what makes. That's how I decide what I'm going to buy is what's been there the least amount of time, because a you know a, a coho salmon that just came in from Alaska is better than a steelhead that's been there for three days. I mean that's inside baseball, but um, what you have to learn when you buy seafood is time. You know, like if you're going to go buy shellfish, all shellfish has a tag. Um, don't go by the. Oh, these are premium mussels. No, premium is the time. So you look at the tag and whatever the harvest date is, the closest one that is to the time you're standing in a seafood store, that's what you buy.
2: Wow, that's great advice. And and this is why Carl Ruiz is my friend. He's not only funny, <laughs> he's not only clever, but he also gives us good advice. I I so appreciate it. I'm I'm dying I, to hear what you're making today. So I'll check oh, in with my, you
3: later. My friends called me from the high end restaurants in New York, and they're like. Uh, Hey, Trump and, uh, and the new president are eating at Jules Verne. That's the, the restaurant in the Eiffel Tower, right? Yeah. That place just got panned by all the critics. You're kidding. Oh, my God. So it's so funny. So we're laughing. That place is like it's the Red Lobster for France.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so this is like going to Times Square and right. going so to Bubba it's Gump? So it's funny. Like, Everyone <laughs> that doesn't
3: know about food, they're like, wow, they're eating that Eiffel Tower. like, oh, my
2: God. <laughs> that is a fantastic scoop. Now they've got a Michelin star. Will they take away a Michelin star if somebody gets panned like that? Uh,
3: oh my God! Yes, I mean, I mean, you're talking about France, right? I mean, uh, uh, what ten years ago, one of my favorite chefs committed suicide because he lost the star. Oh no! Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, this is this is France. You know what I mean? This is not. They take food, you know, as serious as we take the NFL draft.
2: Oh, that's a great, a great way to look at it. Wow. So Jules Verne is now a Bubba Gump shrimp in Times Square in the minds of the food cognoscenti.
3: We like Bubba Gump better because you have they sell T-shirts downstairs. <laughs> okay. <Yeah.
2: laughs> I don't think anybody's buying a Red Lobster T-shirt. It's a fine, oh, we, fine we company. We are dying
3: laughing. We're like, are you really eating there? I mean, wow. I mean, in, in our world, we're looking at it like, these are definitely two non-foodies. I think mean, like in, in, to go in Paris where you have the best restaurants pound for pound in the country and, uh, and stick everybody at that tourist trap is unbelievable to us. We're, we're, we're stunned. We're, the food community is outraged.
2: Well, my question, Carl, is uh, what's the protocol here for a president who prefers well-done steak and ketchup
3: And he's at the Eiffel Tower.
2: And he's going to be at the Eiffel Tower with blue lobster and caviar. I I mean, I've known people um, that have
3: worked uh, in in Trump kitchens and stuff like that. And uh, he's a super plain eater. You know what I mean? Well, he admits Um, that. He eats like Warren Buffett lives. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, Chef... Thank you very much. I know you got work to do. I really appreciate you weighing in. He is Carl Ruiz, the place. He and his wife run it, and I think she's probably the brains behind it. I'm just saying. She makes him work. She's
3: the brains behind everything. I don't even know where my socks are. I don't even have socks (laughs) on this place. She didn't tell me where they put them.
2: (laughs) But it's uh, Marie's Italian delicacies and Marie's what, Italian Specialties. We were
3: going to do delicacies with either my wife or I could spell it, so we changed it to specialties.
2: Marie's Italian Specialties. It's in Chatham, New Jersey. Thank you, my friend. I can't wait to see you. We got to talk about Akiyushi beef because I got my shipment and we'll talk.
3: I know all about it. Give me a call.
2: (laughs) You got it. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. Carl Ruiz is his name. You should follow him on Twitter. uh, at Carl. If you just put in Carl Ruiz, he will show up. He's also, if you're on Instagram, Sabor Chef. And as you can tell, he loves to talk food and he loves to give good advice on food. That that stuff on seafood is so valuable, the way you can figure out what you should get. And he's right. You should find the freshest. Don't go to the seafood joint looking for uh, what what you have in your mind ahead of things. You should You should go there, find what's fresh, and then get it. But now here's what he was talking about when he said all of his chef friends. And he is connected to the big ones. He is friends with and uh, actually real personal friends with some of the big names in New York restaurants, the Bobby Flays and the, uh, the Guy Fieri's, uh, those kind. But he was talking about this restaurant. And one of the big uh, critics, Ruth Reichel, is uh, a huge critic. And she went to Jules Verne. That's the restaurant that is put together in the right there in the Eiffel Tower, the restaurant that uh, Alain Ducasse is the chef. He's a famous chef and just destroyed it in a, in a scathing review. She said, quote, from start to finish, a miserable experience. Ooh. She said the interior, the decor, was like a depressing 70s disco. She also said she had never had, quote, such bad service in an expensive restaurant. And when the uh, little starter, the amuse-bouche, showed up, she said, if you could call it that, it was a dish of stone cold gorgere and when they asked the waitress that they thought it would taste better hot they got a testy remark say they can they can warm it up if you want it she also called the food at this restaurant more like first class airline food and when she said the bread there was sad the chef community is like wait a minute what bad bread in france Uh, She Reichel went on to slam the food at the restaurant where President Trump and President Macron are eating tonight as uh, so bad. The fish was gelatinous. Artichokes served on the side were still clad in their indigestible outer leaves. The wine, the first bottle they ordered was sent back. The second they thought was going through a second fermentation. And when they brought it up to the maitre d' and the sommelier, all they did was frown and say, this wine was chosen by Monsieur Ducasse himself. So uh, not the best restaurant in France. And who knows, maybe maybe the Trumps wanted to go there. And certainly if the Trumps wanted to go there as president of France, I'm going to honor that request. It's also a location that probably has great photo ops to it. So maybe there are other reasons. We're going to step aside when we get back, hopefully the press conference between the American and French presidents will be taking place and we'll try and listen in. Michael Pelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back.
0: Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka
2: with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Don't forget, you can join the conversation here at any time, triple eight nine hundred three three nine three eight 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. Uh, Open on any topic. We are waiting to see if there's any hope, since the Senate Republicans just released this new plan to repeal. Obamacare and replace it. And it, it's kind of interesting because I've, I've seen a couple different takes on it. And we, we've only known about what some of the details are. Um, they're, they're still holding back the increase of Medicaid. It's not deep cuts as so much as slowing the growth. Uh, they, they put in the Ted Cruz amendment. The taxes for the upper deck wealthy earners are going to stay in. Health savings accounts can be used to pay your premiums, which is good. They've bumped up some of the opioid uh, support. But I think the most important thing here, that tax that they're going to put on the highest earners, that goes into then block grants which go to states, which will allow the states to do what they want to do. And as a 10th Amendment guy, I, I can get behind this. I absolutely can get behind it. Uh, nobody's happy about increased taxes, but you know what? If it's if it's going to give us the chance to get tax cuts for middle-income earners, I think that's a good thing, and it's actually going to um, it's going to put the onus on the states. Here, here's one of the one of the things I think is coming out of this, and we'll see if we can wrap our heads around it and get the full story on it. But there, if it's the Cruz Amendment is in there, I believe that will allow the states like New York and California and any state that thinks Obamacare is okay to basically continue Obamacare. And it will allow states that don't think it's okay to avoid it, to remove the individual mandate. To me, this is ultimately what the republic is about. To me, this is a a great idea if they can get it done. I don't know if you can get enough consensus on this. Uh, So while the president left and said, you know, I'm going to be very angry if the GOP doesn't get this done, if the GOP fails... Uh, I think the Senate's actually kind of kind of working. It looks like they're trying to get different different groups in there. Uh, Rand Paul still, as of this morning, I don't I don't think he's come out after after this uh, this latest change was revealed. I don't think he's come out with any kind of decision. But as of this morning, Rand Paul and Mike Lee were still no's, and I think Ted Cruz was still a no. But they've kept the Cruz amendment in there, so maybe that wins Ted over. I still think you're you're teetering on whether or not they can get 50 votes. And if they don't have a solid 50 votes, this bill will not be brought to a vote. They will just let it die. So um, is this the last-ditch effort? Maybe. We'll see. There's going to be some statements on this, but they're right now briefing the Republican senators on what this is. And uh, most of the, the Democrats haven't had a chance to... To see it, so they haven't had a chance to poo-poo it yet. But we will see it (laughs) poo-pooed. Yes, we're using the phrase poo-poo it. Uh, We are, as we said, waiting to see at the uh, Elysee Palace what's happening in France. Uh, The French president, the American president holding a joint press conference. And we expect the press to ask questions about Don Jr. and Russia and not so much about how the two presidents are getting along and what they're doing for Bastille Day. It could be fun. Uh, if it happens and we're live, we'll grab it live and see what we can pick up. But for the moment, we got to step aside. Michael Pelka, I'm Piero Pelka. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike
1: Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We await a uh, pickup from C-SPAN or somebody else who's ever going to feed us the press conference between President Trump and French President Macron any minute now. We're just keeping an eye on it. Uh, But, you know, it's July 13th. And uh not only is this the day of this meeting between the French and American presidents in France, and tomorrow they'll celebrate Bastille Day, which is the reason why the president was invited to France, at least one of the reasons uh, but today today is uh D- delaware day it's th- It's the day that the people who live here in the first state get to run around their neighborhood and wave the Flags of the state of Delaware and talk about liberty and independence. Yay, Delaware! Uh, but it's um, it's it's the day that we recognize our Declaration of Independence from from the British, and since Delaware was the first state, the first state. That's right. We're the first state. Uh, we were the first ones to um, to declare our independence, and we are. We honor Caesar Rodney, and that's why there are always places around Delaware called Rodney Square, Rodney Center, etc. He was one of the signers, the 56 who signed the Declaration of Independence. Uh, Caesar Rodney, part of part of the important history of Delaware Day, National Delaware Day. Just in case you're wondering, uh, there's not much else going on here. The state beverage. Of course, why would there be much going on here? The state beverage is milk, for God's sakes. I know there's a movement afoot here in Delaware to change that to dogfish ale because the beer is is quite popular here. But uh, no, no, it's, uh, it's, it's kind, of <laughs> kind of dull here. It's all I'm going to tell you. It's very calm and it's lovely and the people are lovely and there is no sales tax which makes it fantastic. So uh, it's how, how small is Delaware? We have three counties. Three counties. And some people say when the tide is in, there's only two. But no, we actually have three counties in the state of Delaware. You can hit them all in about two hours. Uh, so uh, we're, we're, we're tiny. But, but we think we know what we're doing. And I'm sure everybody's got pride in their state. Remember, I came from Illinois. I, I grew up in Chicago, ended up here because of family commitments. But just so you know, it's also National French Fry Day, which I think gets more attention than National Delaware Day. And if you're enjoying some French fries today, good for you. I'm holding off. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to get in just a little bit better shape, after, especially after talking to Dr. Jorge yesterday. Uh, much going on today. Much going on today. And if you missed Carl Ruiz, the mad Cuban, talking about the restaurant where the Trumps are going to be dining tonight, I think you're going to get that in a special prime cut in terms of uh, the Puro Pelka prime cuts. And, and thank you, first of all, all of you who have been supporting that. Uh, as, as we tap dance a little bit, the top of the next hour, our buddy Emily Zanotti is joining us. Emily over at heatstreet.com. Doing some real interesting reporting, and we haven't talked to her in a couple of weeks, so I want to get her back. Uh, also, there was something happened last night at the ESPY Awards that I think was staged. I don't know if you saw it. Peyton Manning, who I believe is, is going to have a career in not just broadcasting, but I think in entertainment, I think Peyton Manning will ultimately have a career as some kind of a performer outside of just being a sportscaster. And I say this because his performance last night at the ESPY Awards was nothing short of a straight up professional and I thought pretty funny. Did you catch it?
1: And our gymnastics team was so dominant that Kevin Durant told me he wants to play for them next year.
2: Okay, so he's talking about the American Olympic gymnastics team that that won a bunch of gold medals and crushed it. And he said, you know, our gymnastics team was so dominant, Kevin Durant would like to play for them next year. Now, instantly the camera shoots to Kevin Durant. So they've got Kevin Durant, the basketball player, in the crowd. And the joke about Kevin Durant, because he wanted to changed teams a few years ago because he wanted to win an NBA championship and get on a super team. Kevin Durant didn't look pleased. The crowd loved it. Kevin Durant frowning, a little side-eye. And
3: I gotta tell you, I don't think you'd start for that team, Kevin. Yeah.
1: Russell Westbrook, what do you think?
2: And of course the camera goes over to Russell Westbrook. Now nobody's talking, but I will tell you the choreography of the cameras and the uh, the acting on both sides was pretty good. I thought that was a pretty good moment yesterday, a fairly entertaining <laughs> moment. Am I wrong? Did you did you catch it? Uh, it, was, it was interesting to me, but I think Peyton Manning. I I, I think Peyton Manning has a great presence. Uh, the camera seems to like him, and I think that there's a, a good chance we'll see Peyton Manning. In more than just sports casting. And keeping up with uh, the entertainment segment here, as we await the press conference in France, the Emmy nominations came out today. The 2017 Emmy nominations, and they're handed out later in the year, I think sometime in the fall. But um, Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live tied for the most Emmy nominations in all of the performances. Twenty-two They tied with Westworld, the HBO show, which is really a reboot of a a movie from the 70s. But Saturday Night Live, which is also basically a reboot from the 70s, if you want to think about it. Sketch Comedy scores 22 nominees. And you know it had to do with the president. It had to do with the campaign. It had to do with all of the focus that was on last year's election. And then what happened during the early course of the Trump presidency. So, you know that Alec Baldwin and uh, Kate McKinnon and uh, Melissa McCarthy, all of these performances in their roles as comedians on the sketch series led to this gigantic spike in nominations for them. But here's what I'll tell you. I'm going to predict SNL has a bunch of wins just because Hollywood hates the president and they want to report, reward the people who beat up on the president. And I'm going to also predict that shows like RuPaul's Drag Race and Transparent are going to score big wins. So j- just watch. None of the shows that I watch will do, do any, any great numbers. It's going to be completely different. Uh, I'm going to step aside a little bit early in hopes of coming back because it looks like they're assembling and about ready to hit the press conference. So let's step away and come back and try and catch uh, President Trump and President Macron in their press conference next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka
2: with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. We're just about to hear President Trump speak, but let me remind you, um, you you need to do this. You need to get the three-week quick start pack from Relief Factor. It's uh, 1995. For three weeks of Relief Factor, you'll be able to test it morning, noon, and night like I did. And now I've been taking it every day faithfully since... August 7th, because Relief Factor is the all-natural anti-inflammatory that has reduced the pain in my joints, in my knees, in my hips, in my lower back. And now that I'm taking it, I don't take any painkillers. No over-the-counter, I don't take prescription painkillers, but I stopped taking the eight a day of those green gel caps that I was relying on. And I'll tell you what, I feel better I'm more active, I got my life back, I got my golf back, I got my gardening back, I'm walking more longer daily walks with the dog, the new pup who really loves to go for a walk and I don't have the pain. Why? Because I use all natural relief factor. It reduced the inflammation in those painful joints once before and now it's very different. You wanna get your life back, you wanna get the pain gone without the chemicals, without the drugs. Go, go to ReliefFactor.com. Just check it out. Give them a call. Talk to one of their advisors, 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. It's Relief Factor. Most people see results in seven to 10 days. I saw mine starting on day eight, and I'm very happy about it. We are going to see um, French President Emmanuel Macron started talking uh, briefly about two, about 12 minutes ago and uh, seven well eight minutes ago he's still talking and uh, we're waiting on president trump who's standing next to him in front of the the podiums in paris um, one of the things that uh, we talk about is uh, how the president carries himself in these moments uh, he's paying attention i think he's about to start speaking right now let's pick it up if we can Je crois. I believe that this is very
4: much at the heart of the historic alliance between our all two countries and which fully justifies the presence of President Trump today and tomorrow in Paris. Thank you. Thank you,
5: dear Donald. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, President Macron, and Melania and I are thrilled to join you and Mrs. Macron. This is a wonderful. National celebration, and we look very much forward to it. it be spectacular. Tomorrow, Bastille Day. We're honored to be here in your beautiful country, and it certainly is a beautiful country with its proud history and its magnificent people, and thank you for the tour of some of the most incredible buildings anywhere in the world. That was very, very, uh, a very beautiful thing to see. Thank you. When the French people rose up and stormed the Bastille. It changed the course of human history. Our two nations are forever joined together by the spirit of revolution and the fight for freedom. France is America's first and oldest ally. A lot of people don't know that. Ever since General Lafayette joined the American fight for independence, our fates and fortunes have been tied Unequivocally, together it was a long time ago, but we are together, and I think together, perhaps more so than ever, the relationship is very good. This visit also commemorates another milestone. One century ago, the United States entered World War One, and when the president called me, he had mentioned that fact a hundred years ago, and it was. I said. Mr. President, I will be there. That's a big, important date, 100 years. We remember the tens of thousands of Americans who gave their lives in that valiant and very difficult struggle. We also pay tribute to the heroic deeds of the French troops whose courage at the Battle of Marne and countless other battles will never be forgotten by us. More than one million French soldiers laid down their lives in defense of liberty. Their sacrifice is an eternal tribute to France and to freedom. French and American patriots have fought together, bled together, and died together in the fight for our countries and our civilizations. Today, we face new threats from rogue regimes like North Korea, Iran, and Syria, and the governments, that finance and support them. We also face grave threats from terrorist organizations that wage war on innocent lives. Tomorrow will mark one year since a joyous Bastille Day celebration in Nice, turned into a massacre. We all remember that, how horrible that was. We mourn the 86 lives that were stolen and we pray for their loved ones. We also renew our resolve to stand united against these enemies of humanity and to strip them of their territory, their funding, their networks, and ideological support. Today, President Macron and myself discussed how we can strengthen our vital security partnerships. Just had a meeting with our generals and our representatives, and it went very well. France has excellent counterterrorism capabilities. The French troops are serving bravely in places like Mali to defeat these forces of murder and destruction. The United States and our allies strengthen our commitments to defeat terrorism. We're also making tremendous progress. Earlier this week, with the strong support of the United States and the global coalition, Iraq forces liberated the city of Mosul, from ISIS We're listening control. to President Donald Trump work in with a joint
2: of Iraq press conference and our from Paris. And allies in the region uh, to we are going to have to take a break for the top-of-the-hour news. The when we get back, the if they are asking questions, we will do that. We will also be joined by Emily Zanotti, our friend from Heat Street. And uh, we'll see if there's any, any breaking news in terms of questions. Right now, it's a lot of diplomacy and a lot of respect. And we'll um, we'll see if there's any fireworks next on Pure Opelka.
0: Pure Opelka
1: with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: The Blaze Radio Network on demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka.
1: This is Pure Opelka.
2: With Mike Opelka.
1: Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back. Second hour Pure Opelka. The questioning has just started. It, it's uh, the president and President Macron are in Paris and uh, at the Elysee Palace. And they're, the first question out of the blocks for President Trump, they're only asking four asked about the meeting with uh, Don Jr. and the Russian lawyer, and he kind of sloughed it off, saying that that it was a meeting with a lawyer and not a Russian state lawyer. But uh, the emails seem to contradict that statement. I'm just saying, Mr. President, to help us understand this, and maybe we'll listen in if we can together, Emily Zanotti from Heat Street, our our good friend, is back. Hello, Ms. Zanotti. How are you?
6: I'm doing pretty well. How are you?
2: I'm good. But I'm, you know, are you watching? Were you watching this uh, press thing that's happening now? That's going on.
6: I am not actually. I kind of chose to uh, watch Twitter instead, which is actually pretty entertaining.
2: Uh, well, Twitter can be very entertaining, and as if we watch you on Twitter, which I encourage everybody to do. <laughs> uh, just minutes ago, probably as this press conference was starting, Emily Zanotti tweeted, I found a great vacation for, uh, I guess you have a friend named at Lady Brains cast. I don't know who that That's is.
6: actually our podcast. Yeah.
2: And it is, um, it's an, all you can, dr- all the wine you can drink event in Vegas.
6: Yes, it is. So it's actually a downtown container park, which is part of the downtown Vegas area has an all you can drink wine item. And so I I have a podcast that I do with a bunch of other political female political writers where we talk about non-political things, and I thought that that sounded like the perfect vacation.
2: Well, it it frankly, it sounds like a great vacation. I may be in Las Vegas a week from today for Freedom Fest, and if you need someone to scout it, I can <laughs> I, I can maybe go by. Just saying. Um can can we pull up the press conference because I think the French president and the American president are answering some tough questions? Will you listen in for a couple minutes with me, Emily? Absolutely. Okay, Shamont, if you can give us the uh, the press conference audio and let's see if we can hear this. President Trump is addressing some of the concerns about and
5: uh, that was Don a result Junior. of having communication with a country. So. During that five-year, five-day period, a lot of lives have been saved. A lot of people were not killed. No shots have been fired in a very, very dangerous part of the world. And this is one of the most dangerous parts of Syria itself. So by having some communication and dialogue, we were able to have a ceasefire. And it's going to go on for a while. And frankly, we're working on a second ceasefire in a very uh, rough part of Syria. And if we get that and a few more, all of a sudden you're going to have – no bullets being fired in Syria, and that would be a wonderful thing. Mr. President, you have questions? I agree that would be a wonderful thing. Okay, let's take him down.
2: I want to get to some serious stuff with Emily Zanotti. Emily, while you were busy watching Twitter earlier in the show, we spoke with celebrity chef Carl Ruiz, and uh, we, we were concerned about the restaurant where the two first families are dining today now you're you're a person who's recently been in europe you made a very interesting mm-hmm. trip a uh, very emotional trip to the fields of normandy and uh, the beaches of normandy and and did you go to the eiffel tower while you were in paris
6: i did i went all the way to the top of the eiffel tower and i had a really expensive glass of champagne at the top of the eiffel tower <laughs>
2: Okay. And did you, did you by any chance eat at Jules Verne, the uh, Alain Ducasse, a Michelin star restaurant at the Eiffel Tower?
6: I have not eaten at Jules Verne. I have, however, eaten at another Alain Ducasse restaurant. So I'm fairly familiar with uh, the man's cuisine.
2: Okay. Well, uh, Carl Ruiz, the Mad Cuban, a guy you may have seen on the Food Network, Uh, was telling (laughs) us this morning, just an hour ago, that uh, this restaurant, Alain Ducasse's restaurant, is akin to a red lobster in Times Square in terms of cuisine, that it has become a bit of a joke in France, and he does not understand why this would be the place they would go. And they're supposedly going to have the blue lobster and caviar, which... Mm-hmm. The lobster all turns orange when you boil it, so it doesn't matter what color it is when it goes in. <laughs> and it doesn't taste any different. But I'm just wondering why the president of either country would choose this unless it was just for the photo op to get the picture with the Eiffel Tower in the background.
6: I think it's probably for the photo op. I, You know, it's a beautiful restaurant. It's a beautiful location. The decor is gorgeous, but it's most often filled with tourists. Um, Alain Ducasse has about 15 other restaurants, I believe, and at least 10 of those are in France, in Paris proper, and there are much better places to eat, but this is sort of like we're going to go to the most touristy place possible, also sort of like having dinner overlooking the New York skyline, or coming up to Chicago and going to the John Hancock building, which also has a restaurant at the top, which is Kind of mediocre, but the view is really spectacular.
2: Well, there used to be a restaurant um, in Chicago, the Continental Plaza, which the consort room in the Continental Plaza right there off Michigan Avenue. And it was Mm -hmm. way and they had strolling Stradivarius violins. And I only (laughs) ate there once, thanks to former mayor Jane Byrne. It's a long story that I'll bore you with when we're, we're drinking somewhere together. But so I I understand wanting to go to the place where you get the best view. But I also think it's France, for God's sakes. Show off the cuisine. Let's get let's find the even if it's the the the, there used to be a place in Chicago called Cafe Bernard. Are you familiar with it? I am. Yep. Mm -hmm. It was the place where the French chefs ate. So I would tell President Trump, we would like to take you and your wife to the place where the chefs eat and and eat the best food possible. But maybe he wanted to be at the Eiffel Tower and get a picture of he and Melania in the in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower with the lights behind them. Who knows? I I speculate. But that's I would choose differently, but I what do I know?
6: It also Can we, might I be I a place where about... it's easier to get a bunch of security people in <laughs>
2: we, You know, that's a that's a very good point, because now that France has these worries of terrorism, they have Mm -hmm. built a security perimeter around the base of the Eiffel Tower that has bulletproof glass. So um, it might be a uh, it might be just that it's the most convenient or the safest and smartest thing to do. So you you may have nailed it right there. I still don't understand why we're going to the the Red Lobster of Paris. It I could
6: definitely recommend a better restaurant if he was interested in actually, you know, finding something a little bit better in the streets of Paris. But I I don't know. He don't, he also takes his steak well done. So I don't exactly know how receptive he'd be to some of the more creative French cuisine.
2: Yeah, I don't think Escargot is making it on the president's plate today. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just guessing. Uh, I want to talk about some of the the crazy stories you've been writing about because one of them caught my eye. Um, I have been talking about the gender reveal parties of late because um, when did this become a thing? It did, I really want to know who I want to place blame on somebody for this. Who's responsible for the gender reveal parties? Because I want it to stop. And I wanted to stop now. And apparently I have something in common with some feminists as well.
6: Yeah, so I think Pinterest is largely responsible for gender reveal parties. And I, it's one of those things that just came out of nowhere that millennials sort of invented in the last couple of years because it's a great way of getting gifts for your new baby uh, in addition <laughs> to the shower, I think. Because it's like you have now starting with these Uh, parties for weddings now we have like engagements and couples parties and wedding showers and couples showers and bachelorette party you have like five or six things whereas with babies you only have one so they've got to have this weird gender reveal party where they do they cut into a cake and it's pink or blue but feminists are now angry because these gender reveal parties sort of reinforce the idea that gender is binary either it's Male or female, and you're going to lock that child into that gender from birth. So, <laughs> so if you are, yeah, so if you're actually a feminist or a gender activist, you can't possibly believe that gender is binary or that kids can be told exactly what their biological gender is or will be.
2: Oh my God. It's the end of the world. It's the end of sanity as we know <laughs> it. I, so. It is. It, so uh, I I I abhor the gender reveal party because it's just another shallow ceremony. And as you have so, so brilliantly pulled back the curtain and said, it's just another way to get presents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the feminists it, have a different reason for hating it. So maybe we can unite in our hate does this mean I have something in common with feminists or what did you call them? Gender activists, gender activists, gender-based activists, I guess. God, I didn't know that. There are so many new titles that I have to keep up with. Um, I I went to an event in Philly uh, about a year ago and the first question everybody was asked was, hi, what's your preferred gender pronoun? Right. And uh, I'm sorry, I don't start conversations that way. Uh, But I I happen to be a guy who openly and and regularly admits I only believe there are two genders and then there's the one that's screwed up. But I believe there's male and female and then the one that Archie Bunker described as a little bit of both and not enough of neither. And that they call (laughs) it's actually it was on television. So it must be true. Right. And so so these people, these these feminists are saying the gender reveal party could hurt your child.
6: Yeah. So whereas
2: they normally don't really recognize unborn
6: babies as human beings for the purpose of, say, you know, keeping them alive. In this case, they're actually saying that if you hold one of these gender reveal parties, the the, the unborn child will somehow subsume this gender binary celebration that you've created, and it's going to screw them up from the moment they enter this world. So if they enter with one particular genitalia or the other, they should be allowed to, I don't know, several years down the road, select which gender they prefer. And until they identify as that gender, they should be referred to as they or them or whatever preferred pronoun your newborn really likes. So it's, it's this weird sort of screwed up idea of exactly what you're doing to your poor child.
2: I wonder, and, and I agree when you say this screwed up idea of what you're doing to your poor child. I wonder where the companies that have been reaping billions in sales and profits on uh, gender-based baby products, I wonder where they stand on all of this. Do they look at yeah. it as, uh, is, is there a chance that they could create a new non-gender specific product base that would yield new untold profits. Uh, common sense would say no, but I'm sure right. somebody in a conference room somewhere is pitching that idea to Procter and Gamble or Gerber or whomever.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Have Have you Probably. heard any of I this? I mean,
6: everyone's this uh, gender neutral items or gender neutral nurseries, just in case your child is inundated with pink or blue and is forced to consider. Forced to consider their own humanity. It, it, it's a really strange thing. In fact, the feminist who wrote the article actually called people who selected gender for their child Nazis, which, I mean, is getting a little crazy.
2: I Just would say that, that that's more than a little crazy. Uh, so <laughs> now here's the other question I wonder, and I'm, I'm not going to keep you. I know you, got, I know you got internet to monitor. Um, the, um, if you, you cut the cake open, and inside the cake is pink cake, I guess, that, so indicating that there's right. a there's a female baby. God forbid anyone identify that a female <laughs> baby expected of the parents. Um, and and the mom eats a slice of the cake, right? So she's eating the right. pink frosting. If the child is gender conflicted or gender confused, will the pink cake add to that confusion, or could it actually? be a microaggression in the to- in the form of food or food coloring to the infant.
6: I mean, it also depends. Is the cake vegan or non-vegan? Because then you're also making those kind of choices for your child. So, of course, if your baby identifies as vegan and you are not vegan and you ingest a cake with eggs in it, is that actually a microaggression against God, your fetus? I, did, I don't I know. Even,
2: I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh, my God. I am so glad <laughs> that I am beyond... Well, I'm not beyond the possibility, but I'm beyond the reality of fathering a child. It's, it's not going to happen for me. But I, I'm, I do have a godson or, or two that I'm very proud of. I, the, <laughs> the weirdest gender reveal party I've seen, I don't know if you've seen this, are the guys who are out on a basketball court and the father shoots a ball. And when it hits the, the net it explodes and becomes whatever color of the gender. Have you seen that one? I have not, although I
6: did have a friend who she and her husband went skeet shooting for their gender reveal party, and they shot one of the clay pigeons, and it exploded into a blue cloud of dust, so they knew they were having a boy. So that, that's the weirdest one I've been to.
2: <laughs> please, please post that. And I after after I hang up here in the commercials, I'm going to post... The uh, the basketball court gender reveal. We we need a story on the weirdest gender reveal parties, just to mock it, Probably. just to Absolutely.
1: endlessly mock
2: it. Emily Zanati, you are a pleasure and a joy, and uh, I hope you'll come back again soon, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you. And there goes Emily Zanati from Heat Street Heat ST, But follow her on the Twitter E M Zanati at E M One of my one of my favorite people in this whole wonderful and strange conservative media sphere we'll be right back
0: you're listening to pure opelka with mike opelka on the blaze radio network
1: To Pure on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Keeping an eye on uh, everything after the press conference. Uh, the the big news out of the press conference. Uh, we'll get to it in a minute. I need to remind you: if you are looking for a good deal, a smart deal, a deal that takes into account your health and your health consciousness, if you're looking for life insurance, you need to check out our new. Sponsor HealthIQ.com, and if you if you go to HealthIQ.com/slash/theblaze, you can take the quiz and get a free quote. And I did because I'm looking for insurance, and I went through the process. Uh, this is a really clever and logical idea. In other words, you buy life insurance based not not only on your your gender and your age but also on your, your health consciousness and things like, what's your mile time? Do you know that if you happen to be a runner or if you're out being active, that can get you cheaper life insurance? Are, are you someone who is health conscious and le- lives a, a health conscious lifestyle? The, the big insurance companies have been lobbied by HealthIQ.com forever, and they finally come around. And I went through the process, I, I took the quiz, I got the quote, I had the interview, and now I'm just going to finish up with the, the mini physical. And I will tell you, it's a major life insurance company. It's one of the big ones, and the deal is great. So make a smart choice and do it based on on your life and your health consciousness. All you have to do is go to healthiq.com slash theblaze or healthiq.com slash blaze. Both of them will work, and you can can get that answer. Try that today. When we get back, um, we've got a little bit more on the aftermath of the Donald Trump press conference in France. Plus, we'll uh, try and get word out of whatever the new Senate health bill is. There may be some updates on that. Some details are starting to come out. Maybe, just maybe, they can pull off a miracle i was dubious earlier today but based on some of the things i'm hearing plus billy halliwell at the top of the next hour and um some of the strangest stories of the week we might as well get to them on thursday right michael Pelka on puro pelka we'll be right back
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka
1: on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Puro Pelka, a busy day here on this Thursday, and it will be a little bit of a throwback at two o'clock when we get Billy Hallowell on, our former colleague Billy Hallowell, now over at at Faithwire. I want to try and have a regular faith lift on this show to interject more faith-based stories. I just think it's a good idea. Uh, Before we went away, we were talking as we tried to watch along with the the press conference between President Trump and President Macron. And and here's the moment that I think is the takeaway from the press conference, because there was a lot of yada, 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 France is great, yada, yada, yada. We've been friends forever, yada, yada, yada. And then the questions to the uh, the reporters. Only four questions allowed, and somehow seven or eight get in. But the question came up about Donald Trump Jr. and the meeting with the woman from Russia, the, the woman who in the emails was described as having a connection to the Russian government. This was not a random lawyer happened to be bouncing around Russia. Uh,
5: as far as my son is concerned, my son is a wonderful young man. He took a meeting with a Russian lawyer, not a government lawyer, but a Russian lawyer. Uh, it was a short meeting. Uh, it was a meeting that um, went very, very quickly, very fast. Two other people were in the room, they, I guess one of them left almost immediately and the other one was uh, not really focused on the meeting. I do think this, I think from a practical standpoint, uh, most people would have taken that meeting. It's called opposition research or even research into your opponent. I've had many people, I have only been in politics for two years, But I've had many people call up, oh, gee, we have information on this factor or this person or, frankly, Hillary. Uh, That's very standard in politics. Politics is not the nicest business in the world, but it's very standard where they have information and you take the information. In the case of Don, uh, he listened. Uh, I guess they talked about, as I see it, they talked about adoption and some things. Uh, Adoption wasn't even a part of the campaign. But... Nothing happened from the meeting. Zero happened from the meeting. And honestly, I think the press made a very big deal over something that really a lot of people would do. Now,
2: some of you Trumpsters are not going to be happy with me. I don't think the president's being totally honest with himself. And therefore, I don't think he's being totally honest with us. Now, in terms of that meeting, I believe the president is missing the point here. Yes, if somebody called, if an American called and said, hey, I've got some opposition research on Hillary, uh, I think that's, that's okay. But when it is a person with connections to the Russian government, and that is common knowledge, at least Paul Manafort should have said, let's not take this meeting. Let's schedule this as a sting with the FBI, something like that. It doesn't make sense. And all of you Trumpsters and anybody who will say, yeah, but the other side, look, we, we have evidence from the past. During the, the Bush versus Gore presidential campaign, when Al Gore's campaign got a copy of George Bush's playbook that showed what they were going to do in the, um, in the debates. They actually had the whole layout and a video showing what the Bush campaign was going to do. In the debates, the Gore campaign stood up and said, this ain't right, and gave it to the FBI. Now, who knows if they copied the playbook or watched the video? Who knows? But at least they had the brains to stand up and say, "Um, this isn't fair. We're not doing this. They took the high road. So I I have a problem with this one. And I I do think that it's going to be around for a long time because we're parsing the truth. We're not being honest with ourselves, Mr. President. And that ultimately creeps into your credibility and, and gnaws away at it. So I'm not happy about this. And I don't think it's smart for the president to treat the people this way. I think we all get it. I think we all understand it. And it also works contrary to some of the things that the president is, is accomplishing. It works to undermine the things that the good things he's getting done. For example, in the the last week, the ceasefire, the accord that that we worked out with Russia in Syria, the one that seems to be holding. We're in the fifth day of it right now. But when you go around and you don't tell the honest truth about something like this, and it's something that everybody who's actually taken the time and read the emails can see that then you're going you're gonna to kill your own credibility, sir. It, it's, it's counterproductive. And this, again, goes to my problem with the GOP these days. My problem with the fact that, that the GOP has all the, all the controls. They've got all the levers of power in D.C. Granted, it's a narrow majority. But instead of doing what they wanted to get done... I, I think the people would respect the honesty. I think, I think the rest of us would say, okay, I get it. Don Jr. was a neophyte. He should have come forward and said, this is the problem. This is, this is the deal here. Uh, Don Jr. screwed up. Manafort should have known. But instead, the story has changed three times since Sunday. And what we're going to find out, because now we have a request from the committees that are investigating this for Don Jr. to testify as soon as next week. That uh, now now he's going to be asked to testify. And if he doesn't show up and if he doesn't agree to testify, then they're going to put out subpoenas. And if if you don't agree to show up and they have to subpoena you, wh- what do you think the population thinks? First of all, that great group of Hillary voters is doing the C, We told you so. And now you're eroding your base, sir. It does need to be similar to the way we discussed it earlier. And to get everybody in a room and, and tell, them, tell them the real truth, to get, to get the Trey Gowdy message out there, to get the, the answer, um, as, um, as Glenn Beck said, to, uh, to get everybody in there and say, any contact with Russians, here's what it is and have the president speak to the American people. But but I don't think we're going to see that. And I wish we would, but I don't think we are. Just a a really sad reality, at least for me. There's an opportunity here. And it's so frustrating as a conservative to think that there was conservative control handed to the Republicans in January. Well, actually, back in November. But when they got there in January, nobody was ready. Nobody had anything prepared. Nobody was set to go. And I'm not going to blame the media. I'm not going to blame the Democrats. The people responsible for the inaction are the people who have the keys. And right now, the GOP has the keys. And they keep screwing it up. They keep breaking the key in the lock. So um, I would like to think this new bill is hopeful. I would like to think this new bill, the new healthcare bill, has a snowball's chance in hell, because if we don't get it done, guess what? Nothing else will get done this year, especially if we're chasing the Russian controversy again and again and again and again. It's It's truly disheartening. And I know I know people have talked about saying, don't know, you can't. You can't lose faith. You can't give up. Well, you can get pretty damn tired of it. And I, for one, am pretty damn tired of it. All right. I got, I got to get to some of the silly stuff to pull myself out of this. So um, I'm going to step aside when we get back. Uh, you jump online if you wish. If you wish to uh, opine on, on Twitter at StuntBrain. We do have a vital question of the day. Two of them, as a matter of fact both about reliability and trustworthiness in television news and in newspapers. And I know a lot of people are going, what's a newspaper? You know what I'm talking about. Weigh in. Tell me how you feel. And then we'll also get to some of the stupid stuff. And we'll do that next on Pure Opelka.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka
2: on the Blaze
0: Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio
2: Network. I mention Relief Factor virtually every hour on this show because uh, they are a sponsor and because it works. But don't take my word for it. Go to relieffactor.com. Check it out. Get the three-week quick start pack yourself and get on the way to getting the inflammation in your joints reduced and the pain gone like I'm experiencing It doesn't work for everybody, but it works for thousands of people, including a guy named Stephen who came by the blaze to tell us how it worked for him. Uh, carrying a lot
1: of heavy loads, uh, a lot of strain on my back, and ended up with two fractured vertebrae. As a result of that, I was on a lot of high-powered painkillers. And I've come to know over the years that have listened to Glenn that if it's a product that he endorses and he has on his network, then there's a really good chance that it's that it's something you can trust. And so I said, well, what can it hurt? And within t- 10 days to two weeks, I noticed a significant uh, Decreasing the amount of pain I felt to where I completely was able to stop taking the hydrocodone. I'm able to practice soccer with my kids, and I have young kids. So it's given me
2: uh, a large part of my um, physical uh, life back. Join Stephen. Join the thousands of us who uh, take Relief Factor. Go to relieffactor.com. You can see the details there for the three-week quick start pack. Or you can call them at 800 500 8384, 800-500-8384. 8384, 800-500-8384. It's Relief Factor. What the hell are you waiting for? Seriously. I know, it's a little, it's a little, uh, it's a little tough, right? I shouldn't be talking like that, should I? We'll see. I need you to do me a favor as well. While you're here, why, why don't you visit theblaze.com and you'll see the section that says Channels. And in that section that says channels, you can uh, you can subscribe and follow my channel. I'm trying to catch up to Doc Thompson. I'm trying to get ahead of Doc Thompson, actually. But right now he's got a lead on me, and we're almost to twenty-seven thousand. I figure with a little push, we can get to we can catch up to Doc, and maybe maybe just maybe get past him. Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll absolutely see. Uh, now, there's there are a couple of stories on The Blaze that I think uh, are worth checking out as well because every now and then you see something that uh, surprises you. For example, the story that's headlined, Whoopi Goldberg rips Black Lives Matter activists who claimed Planet of the Apes movie is racist. And now, I, I will tell you in in full disclosure... I happen to think it's okay for you to have people who are friends who are liberals. I think it's okay. I think it's, it's actually a good idea. I have many liberal friends. I don't disrespect them. I respect them. I don't like their, some of their stances on things. But this story is about the uh, Black Lives Matter activist DeRay McKesson. McKesson earlier this week went out on social media and accused the makers of the 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 movie coming out what is it next week or is it this Friday the War for the Planet of the Apes is dehumanizing him by associating black people with apes and Whoopi Goldberg on the view is joining the dog pile against that is the dog pile against McKesson McKesson saw a poster for the movie and it depicts one of the apes wearing a blue vest and the Black Lives Matter activists and some some other folks assume that the vest is a direct reference to him because he's he's been known to wear a blue vest on occasions. Talk about having an ego. He um, he he got frustrated by this and posted two different tweets disparaging Planet of the Apes. They've been deleted And he said it's uh, it's their lack of consciousness. Whoopi Goldberg went went to give uh, McKesson a history lesson, starting with get over yourself. And uh, go back and watch the original 1968 and check out what the apes were wearing. Uh, Here's a little bit of a spoiler alert. They were wearing blue vests and this has nothing to do with you. This is a movie about what happens when mankind doesn't pay attention to the environment, how, to how we treat animals and each other. That's what the movie's about. See, Whoopi Goldberg, someone I disagree with on many, many topics. She's a, she's a liberal. But she's also more of a, a libertarian than she lets on. She's a gun owner. And she's a person who's against high taxes for people that make a lot of money. And this is one of those things that I think we need to be aware of and always be looking for. Instead of looking for what divides us, let's look for what unites us. Now, Whoopi did go on to say to McKesson, you're doing great stuff. Don't screw it up by doing something dumb. So she will, she will side with him on, uh, on some of the Black Lives Matter stuff. But she'll also call him out when, when he's wrong. And I think that's important. I think we all need to take that, that approach. Support the things we agree with and call out our friends and some of our liberal buddies on the things that we don't. That's called fairness and honesty. I'd like it in the president. I'd like it in my neighbors. I'd like it in everybody. We'll be right back with Billy Howell next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka
1: with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: The Blaze Radio Network on demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka.
1: This is Pure Opelka
0: with Michael Pelka.
1: Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is a uh, Thursday, Throwback Thursday. We're expecting to hear from Billy Halliwell, a uh, former colleague uh, of ours here at the Blaze. Billy is uh, over at FaithWire.com doing stories, uh, enlightening stories, sometimes enraging stories but stories tied back to messages of faith. Good stories. Those are, those are important things. And we should hear from Billy. Also at the bottom of the hour, we are anticipating a call from uh, our friend, Angie Austin. I, I get a call from Angie once a week. Usually when I put the bat signal out to say that some of the craziness in the world has got me spinning out. So I need really insane stories and, um, She sent me a note, basically, uh, with some of the craziest headlines I've ever seen. And uh, it's not a spoiler, but I do know that (laughs) one of the stories is headlined, uh, Fake Boobs Can Save Your Life. I'm saying uh, I'm ready for this story. I'm ready to get this story from Angie Austin. That'll be at the bottom of the hour and we're waiting to hear from Billy Halliwell here shortly. So uh, just pay attention. It's important. <laughs> we will see. Um, the, the world is kind of crazy today. But there are also some things, some signs that tell me it, it could work out. Things could work out. And I'm talking specifically about what we're hearing. And, and we don't have all the details about the latest version of the GOP healthcare bill. And I like the fact that the Cruz Amendment is in there, and I like the fact that they're looking at uh, just pushing everything to the states and letting the states figure it out themselves. To me, that's going to get some strong support from the governors. And the governors are key to this, too. I know we need to get 50 senators involved, but the governors, and uh, if you're a governor and the government says we're going to block grant you this money and how you allocate it to health care is going to be up to you and your, your population, I think that's the way the republic was supposed to be run. I think that's probably along the lines of what the founders envisioned. In other words, local decision-making, not this overlord from Washington, D.C., telling everybody one size fits all and this is how it's going to be done. People live in different states because they they tend to, yes, they, they live in different states because that's where their job is, but a lot of times people make decisions, conscious decisions on where to live based on not only the climate, but based on the people they know there, the lifestyle that's being lived there, and that generally is reflected in the people they elect. So... I really think that that this this news of the possibility of a GOP health care bill that that allocates the money in these block grants to the states and lets the states decide what to do is is great. Now, let's get rid of the other end of this. Let's get rid of the restrictions of buying health care within your state lines. Let's allow people to buy health care anywhere they damn well please. So I I think it's I think it's a, a that's a good sign. And then what do I read? Well, Susan Collins apparently says she's not voting for the bill no matter what. So uh, that that one means you can only lose one more vote. And you're not passing this bill in the Senate. So uh, what are we doing, senators? What are we doing, GOP? How are we going to make this work? What the hell's going to happen? I, I need to know. I really do need to know. I know that uh, Vice President Mike Pence was working some of the senators the other day. There was a report that Mike Pence had meetings with uh, Rand Paul. And others trying to squeeze Rand Paul because Rand Paul has come out and said he's not voting for it. So the, um, the reality here is we're still on a tightrope. And I would like to believe that the, the GOP can, can get its act together and can come together as a party. But I just, I just feel like we, we've not had any real honesty from some of these senators. I feel like we're we're not getting the full story, and um, as has been pointed out about um, Ms. Collins, Senator Senator Collins, uh, by saying she's she's not going to vote for the the health care bill, um, there are those who believe she has been saying she's against Obamacare just to make sure she gets reelected, but it looks like this very outspoken critic of the um, Senate's efforts to repeal Obamacare says she is going to vote no on the motion to proceed. She said um, after leaving the meeting, they had a meeting this morning that showed the replacement draft. The only way I change my mind is if there's something new in the bill that wasn't discussed or that I didn't fully understand or the CBO estimate comes out and says they fixed the Medicaid cuts, which I don't think is going to happen. Well, there isn't enough time, apparently, for the CBO to come out and give us a score on this. So you might have to take, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, Health and Human Services will give it a look and give it a score. But apparently, the bill keeps the Medicaid sections pretty much the same, which everybody keeps saying it's deeper cuts in the program and theoretically it it just slows the expansion it it slows down the expansion which then is called a cut because folks have been promised that expansion so the expansion which hasn't happened yet but is slowed down becomes an instant cut that's government speak and that's how that gets worked out it's really kind of strange and very frustrating but uh, that that is that is the reality and that's the situation we're in right now again very frustrating very difficult to to have any faith in in what anybody says in a campaign when they then turn around and don't live up to any of those promises they made just just sharing with you now, uh, back to my, my early question of the day, because I came up with a vital question this morning, is I'm, I'm trying to dance between the, um, the news that I hear from CNN, the news I hear from MSNBC, the news that I hear from uh, Fox, and I know some of you are going to get mad at me, but I think they all have gigantic agendas that they service. Every single one of them. And we tend to lean into the one that has the same agenda as we do. That's kind of where we are. So I asked the two questions this morning. Uh, which TV outlet provides the most reliable, unfiltered, and honest news? 2% of you responding said CNN. 2% say NBC, MSNBC. 35% of you say Fox. 61 say somewhere else. So that just tells you out of the audience that follows me and you're a pretty diverse audience, although you are generally Fox and conservative supporters. That 61 percent of you are going somewhere else to get television news. We know it's not Al Jazeera, but I wonder where else you're going on TV to get your news. Additionally, when we look at at uh, the newspapers and the newspapers, I do count. Uh, The paper versions, when we get into electronics, which we'll do tomorrow, we look at we look at the situation here, which national newspapers, the most reliable, the most honest and the least biased. Six percent of you say The New York Times, 31 percent of you say The Wall Street Journal, 11 percent say USA Today and 52 percent of you. Again, the biggest vote getter in this group is the other category. And maybe you rely on some other source. Um, I'm not sure who that would be. I tend to lean towards the Wall Street Journal because I do believe the Wall Street Journal is the least biased of any paper out there. The Times, obviously, liberal bias. I didn't put The Washington Post in there. I chose to put USA Today in there because I think a lot of people read it because it is fairly bland. And it's not exactly going to ever give you cutting-edge news, but it is fairly bland. There are other topics that we have to get into today. Um, we, we will dive into, I, I hope to get to, if Billy calls in, he, he was anticipated to call today. I want to talk about uh, some of his, his stories that he's talked about lately, uh, one of which has also appeared on The Blaze, and it's this, uh, this bizarre Chick-fil-A protest that um, created this this bloody scene inside a a Chick-fil-A and it it's akin to the same stuff we see when some of the PETA people go in and scream it's not food it's violence it's not food it's violence and then they tell us the story of their their pet chicken and how people eating eggs are killing people no they're eggs they're not people. They're not even chickens, folks. So hopefully we'll we'll reach out and see if we can find Billy and get into uh, some Billy Hallowell time with uh, this week's faith lift from our buddy Billy. And um, I have to get into um, the FBI testimony of uh, the candidate yesterday, Mr. Mr. Ray, because he said some things that. Uh, they're, they seem to be cookie-cutter stuff. And again, I want to give you more evidence on why why I hate these hearings and why I think they're a gigantic waste of time. So uh, we'll deal with that and hopefully Hallowell. And the crazy news of the day with our friend Angie Austin, just around the corner on Pure Opelka.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Pelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: It is Piro Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network, and uh, we are. Um, I, I'm dubious now. I don't think Billy Hallowell's calling in today, although I should post all of his text messages and publicly shame him. No, no, I won't do that. But uh, he's a busy guy. Apparently, there's a lot going on at FaithWire, but uh, we, we'll find out later. Uh, we talked earlier with Emily Zanati about this um, this gender reveal party that she openly blames on millennials, uh, a scam basically to get more presents for the upcoming child, the impending child, the child elect, and uh, it's all part of this this crazy gender thing uh, that's that's going on right now. I just read that. I think it's Nikki Haley is going to take a meeting with um, Caitlyn Jenner to talk about the global LGBT problem. I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. But uh, as we deal with this this question of gender, and we brought up the Gender Reveal Party because Emily had written a story about how uh, Cosmo, was Cosmopolitan Magazine had, had basically come out against the gender reveal party because it could scar the baby. The, the identification or assignment of gender before the child is even born could scar the baby, I, which I don't even know how you could make that jump. But I saw one of the craziest things I've seen uh, lately in, this, in this, this gender discussion. And it comes out of England. But I think it's taken on a global position. Uh, this is uh, from Sheffield Halam University in Sheffield, England. And uh, it's related to a program called Period Positive. Yes, you know where this is going, and attention, junk correspondence everywhere. Maybe you've maybe you've heard about this, but if you haven't, it is, um, it is an effort globally to uh, change the way we think about, talk about the subject of periods. And um, it's even trying to weave it into the LBGT community. Uh, there's actually a poster with a flow chart, no pun intended, but apparently it is intended. And uh, it, it, the headline of the queryids, yes, see, periods in the queer world, query The headline of this flow chart, pun intended, uh, is how to include menstruators of all genders in public health messages about menstruation. Now let's just break that sentence down. This flow chart, pun intended, is meant to include menstruators of all genders wait what so there are menstruators of more than one gender Uh uh-huh who's the science denier raise your hand raise your hand so we can see you this query poster which is meant to uh, change the mind of uh, a person. It's 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 to instruct us about public health messages and and what we're going to do to talk about this subject. So the the flow chart, pun intended, starts with a question: Does the person menstruate? Hmm. Yes, on the left. Then they are a menstruator. No. On the right, then they are a non-menstruator. Well, yes, we know there are people of a certain age who don't menstruate, but we know that there are. Now, here's here's where you have to get the inclusive language. This is what they want to change the language to. um, To say uh, instead of saying someone is becoming a woman, you replace it with starting puberty. Okay, not bad. Simple, right? Instead of saying feminine hygiene products, we want to say menstrual products. Okay, but what's, the wrong, what's wrong with feminine hygiene products? Tell me. Instead of saying femcare, which is a term I've never heard before, they want us to use the phrase menstruation management. Instead of women's health, it's now reproductive health, because we're not allowed to use the word women. And instead of saying mothers and daughters, it's parents and children. And instead of women, it's people. And and this is part of the period positive menstruation outreach. I'm telling you, there is a whole lot of time being spent on stuff like this. And and it it's I I, I will post I will post this this poster so you can see it yourself, because I know some of you are saying, Mike, you're making that up. That cannot be true. Well, it's not only true, it's real, it exists, and it's out there. It's in a university, at least one university. Uh, if you want to see the whole story, you can, you can check out periodpositive.com. But they are calling attention to the uniquely female experience of um, monthly bleeding. And they say... By doing this, we exclude young girls, postmenopausal women, trans people, intersex people, and women who, for myriad other reasons, reasons, cannot or do not experience this. This is a thing. Again, have we fixed all the other problems? Have we fixed the famine issues in the world? No. Then stop screwing around with stuff like this. It's a gigantic waste of time. Uh, When we get back, our friend Angie Austin is going to join us. I just did get a message from Billy Hallowell, and I think I should post this message from Billy Hallowell because it does say, caught a subway nightmare. I'm free now, but yeah, guess what? We're going to break. So sorry, I'm an idiot. Yes, I have Billy Hallowell in his own words saying, I'm an idiot. I won't post that, Billy. I've just shared it with everyone. But uh, we'll deal with that after the break. We'll get some, some crazy stories in as our buddy Angie Austin joins us around the corner next on Pure Opelka. Come on. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are uh, just 3,000 follows away from Doc Thompson. It's my mission to catch and pass Doc Thompson. And uh, so you need to go to theblaze.com, go to the channels, click on my face, and follow, please. You'll get all the special pure prime cuts that we put out every day. And you'll be part of the cognoscenti, the Stunt Brainiacs, as it were. and, And you'll be helping us. I also want you, it, look, if you have any pain from um, inflammation, you know, sometimes in, in your joints, in your knees, your hips, your neck, your back, uh, you, you have inflammation that causes pain. And if you reduce the inflammation, guess what? The pain goes away. I found this out when I started taking Relief Factor in early April. And eight days after I started, I no longer needed the handful of over-the-counter green gel caps that I was taking. Not good for me. They helped a little, but they weren't good. So relief factor, all natural stuff, it's fish oil and turmeric and natural ingredients that work with your body to reduce the inflammation and then the pain dissipates. So I don't take anything. I have not touched a medication since that eighth day at probably April 15th, probably tax day go to relieffactor.com relieffactor.com or call them at 800-500-8384 800-500-8384 try the 3 week quick start pack like i did and now it's part of my daily regimen breakfast lunch and dinner i take relief factor playing more golf i'm out in the garden i'm walking the new pup more than more than ever and most importantly not taking any pharmaceuticals or medications. Relief Factor, relieffactor.com. It's been a day that's angered me. It's been a day that uh, while I watched the president, uh, in my estimation, be less than truthful about his son in that meeting, yes, I would have been interested in the meeting, but no, it was not a meeting with just some lawyer from Russia. (sighs) Yes, I've watched the GOP put out its health plan, that I think is better, and the Cruz Amendment is in there, which Ted Cruz, uh, his idea is people should be allowed to purchase the kind of coverage they want. Some of them should only want to buy catastrophic insurance, and that's fine. We should let them do that. It's called choice. And if you're against it, then you're anti-choice, aren't you? Yeah, throw that back at your liberal friends. And I just read a story about cash for clunkers was a total failure. Yes, we knew it, but now we have proof. So that's got me upset. So here I am on the ledge, hanging out on the ledge. My fingers are just barely clasping the ledge, hanging on to my sanity today. And I need stupid stories to help me through. Weird, crazy, unusual stories. Thank God my friend in radio, Angie Austin, hits me with a pile of stories. As we're listening to the news I'm getting all these, my emails going, bing, 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 and each one weirder than the rest or funnier than mm-hmm. the rest or more head-scratching mm-hmm. than the rest. So I had to narrow it down to three. And the only way I can narrow it down, Angie, first of all, welcome back to the show. Thank, is, you. Um, Thank you. Here's where I want to go. Um, boobs, beer, and cocaine. Okay. All right. Now, it sounds like, it sounds like Jeff Fisher's Daily Prescription. But that's right. where I want to go. I, I no offense to Jeffy, but um, I, I need to understand. You send me a headline that just says "fake boobs can save your life," right? Uh, in uh, all are, caps. In all caps. Yes, thank you. Of course, they were bigger. Of course, we made them bigger. We didn't make them smaller.
4: Right, right, right. Well, so, and I've heard, by the way, by the way, it, I've heard that back east, there's the implants are smaller than out west. I don't know why, but. Uh, apparently they'll be safer than from gunshot wounds in the West where they're bigger, the implants are bigger because fake boobs apparently could save your life. This is a legit news story that breast implants reduce gunshot injuries by slowing down bullets, preventing vital organ damage. They have a couple of specific examples and apparently the bullets travel 20% uh, less far when shot into implants. And so they did some studies, but there was also a case where a woman, um, her name is uh, Eileen Lickness. And Eileen Lickness of Calgary was apparently, Miss Miss Lickness was shot by her boyfriend, Fernando, not not her boyfriend anymore, by the way. And uh, both breast implants, uh, the, the the bullet went through both of them, and she survived. And they believe that it slowed down the bullet, caused less damage, and then they actually did some you know some studies and so i i don't know if it's going to lead to like you know cops be like bob did you hear about the breast implants Because it's similar to wearing a you know, bulletproof vest if you thought about that and be like no i haven't uh joe so i don't know if it's going to lead to like you know cops getting them but um they say they can't really replace a bulletproof vest which to me seems like common sense but who knew that they would have a protective you know quality like as a bonus
2: well, uh, <laughs> there's so many directions I can go here. Um, yeah. is, is there a cup oh, size that's oh, oh. safer than the other?
4: Well, this particular one was a D that helped the woman uh, Miss likeness, uh in Calgary. But uh, also they said that they could also be beneficial in the event of a stabbing. So not that anyone's planning on that when they get their breast implants. I believe they get them for other reasons, uh, more aesthetic reasons. And one scientist in this study said that uh, it's an interesting idea, but it would be a stretch to say they could replace bulletproof vests. An interesting use of the word "stretch" when
2: we're talking about implants. Yeah, it, it sounds like the research is kind of inflated, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs>
4: yeah, but an interesting headline to say the to say the least.
2: Now, can you? Uh, this this brings into mind because. For years and years and years, people got nose jobs by saying they had uh, deviated septums and they managed to get Ooh. their insurance to pay for the rhinoplasty that way. I'm wondering right. if you'll be able to use your insurance to say this is a safety or be able to take it off your taxes to say this is a 24-hour safety uh, upgrade for you if you want to get Maybe. Implants.
4: Well, depending on your line of work, I guess, Right.
2: Well, you know, none of us are immune from the threat of danger or crazy people, so. That's true.
4: So, like, more people in, like, um, the line of work of, like, cops, uh, detectives, undercover people, bounty hunters, uh, people who live in New York City, more of these people will be busty now. Is that what you're kind of thinking? Is that along those lines?
2: I'm thinking people will try because you know people will try. That's that's just the the fact. People will try. That's true. that's, that's what we got Now now I need to go. Need do I go to beer or cocaine? What's the beer story? And you said it's got people freaking out. Okay, so the
4: beer story. Um, it's beer created by a, a woman for women, and it's sold in pink boxes, and it's sparking a furious furious online backlash from feminists. So apparently, a, a Rosa. And so it's kind of like Aurora, but with an Acerosa brewed in the Czech Republic was designed for the ladies and the creator wanted beer to show women, you know, uh, you know, that they can succeed. And it's like a beer that you can drink without sacrificing your tenderness and femininity. Now, I've seen a lot of women with tattoos drinking a beer straight from the can or maybe from a brown paper bag. And I do think you sacrifice your tenderness and femininity when you drink out of a bag or straight out of the can. I actually, the only thing I drink is beer, but I will never at a charity event while I'm wearing like a long pink gown, drink it out of the can because it's like straight, you know, it's like I want to be true to the streets, you know, but maybe not at one of my charity galas. So I always drink it with like a lime in a cup or like in a glass. But this is a way to drink it in a pink can so you still look tender and feminine. So why are people mad about it? Well, feminists, they don't like it. They think they should be able to drink, you know, out of the bottles. And they don't need a feminist beer can. They're feminine. They
2: don't need pink beer. Well, and what does it say? You know, because now that a lot of sporting events support the breast cancer initiatives, and you see mm-hmm. a lot of athletes wearing pink shoes and using pink golf clubs, what what about a guy that likes the taste of the beer and wants to drink a pink beer? Are they going to get mad well, at him?
4: Steve Robinson chimed in and he said, can't I just let you know that this is blanking stupid for her? What's wrong with all the other beers? What's next? Cake for him?
2: Well, cake, anytime cake. Yes, cake for him would be a good cake. All cake is okay for me. He's a little I'm bitter. Not, I think he needs some professional help there, Steve Robinson. I, I think he does. Now yeah. the uh, the last story, when you said uh, this cocaine story is going to make you laugh, because you know you know where I was today with all this crazy news today. I'm kind of out there, like I said, on the ledge. Although the the life saving breast implants are interesting, and the the chick beer that's got the feminists, anything that upsets the feminists makes me happy, so I'm kind of good that way. But what's this cocaine story that you you promised is going to make me laugh? Okay. All these
4: weird stories come out of Florida. So it's Marathon, Florida, down in the Keys. This guy has, like, tinted windows and a partially obscured license plate. They pull him over. The car smells like pot. He sees he's got a Cookie Monster doll in his backpack. Hello, how many grown men carry around Cookie Monster dolls? And you know how he says, me want cookies? As a Cookie Monster, he goes, me want cookies. Well, the headline says, me want cocaine. So apparently they opened the Cookie Monster doll. And that's where they were stashing the Coke, which I think is hilarious because how many people are going to believe that a grown 39-year-old Camus McNair, this man in his backpack, is going to be carrying around a Cookie Monster doll?
2: So the cops got suspicious when they smelled the pot in the car, and that allows them Correct. to search. And right. they, I wonder if they had a, a drug dog that, that hit on the bear.
4: Well, the deputy noticed that the doll seemed heavier than it should. And then he, uh, you know, looked at it and there was a slit cut into it. So it was pretty obvious that it was stuffed with something. And it wasn't breast
2: implants. I see what you did there. But you realize this was not the cookie monster. <laughs> I, I don't know. What was it? It was the cokey monster.
4: Yes, the cokey monster. Me want cocaine. You're cookie, very good. were no good, good.
2: <laughs> like, Say hello to my little friend. Oh my, oh my God. Well, Angie, Angie, right. thank you. You have, you have thank once you. again, which, which you do every week, you drag me kicking and screaming away from the ledge and back into the calm serenity of the rest of my crazy life. Where do people Excellent. find you? Well,
4: I can't find me today cause I'm out. To, uh, I'm on my way to get some breast implants, a cookie monster doll and some pink beer. But normally I would be on daybreakusa.com
2: daybreakusa.com. It sounds like a full life. Breast implants, yes, it is. Uh, yeah. chick beer, and a yeah. a drug stuffed cookie monster.
4: Yes, and swim meets, uh, and you know, and kids, and homework, and I've got a little algebra to brush up on with the kids. So it's full, it's a full life. Thank you. Oh, Thanks aren't you lovely night.
2: making the kids do algebra in the yeah. summer? <laughs> right, just I know. Hey, my
4: kids aren't going to fail. Are you kidding me? I don't want I them know. pulled over in Marathon, Florida with a Coke-filled Cookie Monster.
2: At least My kids Coke-y are going to succeed whether they Please. like it or not. <laughs> Get it right. It's a cookie Monster. Well, well, thank you, my friend. I I'll, I'll, can't Fred. wait to hear next week's collection. Yeah, me either. Thank ha- have you. Have a great rest of your day. There, there she goes. Angie Austin from DaybreakUSA.com and uh, some of the craziest stories of the week. We'll be right back on Pure Opelka.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Piero Pelka, wrapping up uh, today's show. The liberty-loving Latino awaits in the wings. It's been an interesting show. Uh, I I love the fact that we learned from Chef Chef Carl Ruiz, I call him the Cuban, the mad Cuban, that uh, the great chefs of America, at least the New York chefs who all talk to each other, they have like their own chat room, uh, they think it is... It is uh, crazy and silly and insulting that the president of the United States is basically going to a Red Lobster to have dinner in in Paris. That's how they refer to the Jules Verne restaurant at the base of the Eiffel Tower. I'm very surprised by that. But then again, the chefs are on it, and they are an interesting community. And we also learn from the chef what you should buy when you go fish market shopping. It's not about going in there saying, I know I want tuna. It's finding out what's fresh. Also, uh, for those of you who are in the stamp world and you, you like keeping an eye on new things in stamps, uh, last week I told you about the, um, the new stamps that are, are dedicated to different sports and the balls. They were baseballs and footballs, soccer balls, and they're round stamps. So it's a different look. But yesterday, this was pretty cool. On the anniversary of what would have been Andrew Wyeth's 100th birthday, if Andrew Wyeth hadn't passed away a few years back, the great American painter would still be around us and uh, making great artwork, no doubt. I knew Andy a little bit. Um, They issued 12, 12 forever stamps, 12 forever stamps from from the post office with the great works of Andrew Wyeth. And they are, like I said, they're forever stamps. And they were dedicated locally here at the Brandywine River Museum, where, um, where Wyeth lived just around the corner in Chadds Ford, Pennsylvania. Wyeth's son, Jamie, who's also a painter in his own right, said, my father, a pro- prolific letter writer, would indeed be proud. If you're a stamp collector, these are some beauties. I happen to love the works of Andrew Wyeth, and if uh, you can, you can get your own little Wyeth and own it. If you pick up, pick up that uh, that stamp, I was hoping Billy Halliwell would be here today. Uh, he's not. I don't know if he's going to join us tomorrow. So if he isn't, we'll make fun of him, and uh, we will uh, we will ridicule him roundly, and uh, and have a fun wrapping up the week. Plus. I got to get into that cash for clunker story, and it's Bastille Day. We will storm the castle, the prison ourselves, and have some fun tomorrow, wrapping up the week. I have a couple surprises for you. Testudo, my friends. Testudo.
1: With Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.